welcome to the Health Tech Podcast. Here we talk about everything healthcare and technology, and I'm your host, James Somaru. Hey everybody, this week I'm joined by Jenny Thomas, and she's Programme Director of DigitalHealth.London. So Jenny's been pivotal in driving the growth of DigitalHealth.London's accelerator from a startup itself to now an organisation that today has supported hundreds of health tech entrepreneurs to refine and scale their solutions and which now supports NHS staff to deliver important digital transformation projects and works with academics and industry to improve evidence generation in digital health. So Jenny has a background in healthcare delivery, joining the NHS via their graduate management training scheme and working afterwards in a number of operational and strategic roles in the UK and overseas. So I hope you enjoy this episode. Well, the way that we start these podcasts is we get you to tell your story. And so um, by all means, why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about, about you and how you got to where you are? Yeah, sure. About Jenny Thomas. So um, you said good to start at the beginning. Yeah. So, the beginning, so I studied at Nottingham University. I actually studied geography, um, which I guess doesn't really, you'd think on the surface doesn't have much to yeah. do with healthcare, but actually there's a lot of healthcare in there. So um, my dissertation, I l- went to uh, the Gambia in West Africa and looked at the difference between two generations of women um, wow. and particularly focused on their reproductive health, which is where I think my kind of love for women's health began. Yeah and um, studied a lot about healthcare in the developing world. And then after university, I had three gap years. Can you believe wow. that? Wow. <laughs> um, I know. My parents were, weren't too sure about the third one, but the third one. Um, you funding them yourself, there's nothing they can say, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, they definitely made me film the third one. Um, yeah. Um, the first one I went to India, and again, had a real healthcare focus. So I worked, um, volunteered in the girls' school. I was there for about five months in South India and in Tamil Nadu, and um, so did all sorts of things. Um, lobbied the local government to improve the, the toilet facilities in the school, yep. set up a healthcare club, did lots of kind of um, healthcare education, awareness, um, and actually quite a few things um, related to, to women's rights as well. And then after that, I did a, the second year was a round-the-world trip, did lots of cool things. Um, and the third year, I lived in Spain, in Madrid, so that definitely didn't have anything to do with healthcare. But whilst I was there, um, I was uh, applying for different graduate schemes, briefly thought I might want to be a lawyer, but um, found out about the NHS graduate scheme and thought it sounded amazing because the first two months, you shadow everyone there is in healthcare. So from people like you, doctors, um, you're uh, shadowing porters, you spend time in the Department of Health, you're on an ambulance going in and out of A&E on a Friday night, you really kind of get to understand how the NHS works. And then you have three placements, including one overseas, which was quite cool. Um, I worked in Chicago for a consultancy company um, for three months, that was great. Um, And I worked in secondary care, primary care, and at the same time we studied for a master's in healthcare management and leadership. And you get lots of other support, action learning sets, um, support with um, different kind of technical skills. Um, so that was, so I did that. So that was really exciting. So that was my, my first kind of two years of my career. And I was based in London. Um, my first ever job was at the Royal Brompton. I was managing a very large team of medical secretaries and different projects, actually, which had a bit of a kind of digital focus. Yeah. Um, 
And then uh, my first job after the scheme uh, was at Guys in St Thomas's and I had a couple of different roles there, worked as a manager in oncology and then I was the deputy general manager for cardiovascular and then I really wanted um, to be the general manager for women's because there's been a sort of thread yeah. throughout my career in terms of a real interest in women's health and so I was lucky enough um, to be appointed to that role as general manager for women's and then I think um, probably about a year in, I thought this is like kind of crazy. I'm managing these this massive budget. And I, um, yes, I learned quite a lot on the scheme. I've learned quite a lot on the job, but I feel I really need some sort of, I don't know, like financial ed- education. And I started to think a bit about MBAs. And when I'd been in the States, it seemed to me like everyone that worked in healthcare um, had an MBA, but it wasn't really a thing in the UK. So I was exploring different MBAs I really one thing I knew is if I was going to do one I wanted to do a good one Um, and so that meant I spent a lot of time um, researching and then realizing that I had to uh, do the GMAT and um, so that was fun Uh, I remember on holiday in St Lucia I was like studying maths Um, so I was very determined to do this MBA and then when I was so whilst I was the general manager for women's I did the London Business School Executive MBA, which was an amazing experience. Um, also met my husband there, so, you know, good return on investment. They say they're good for networking, don't they, MBAs? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Best friend. Um, but, it, you know, there were lots of different um, schools of thought on MBAs. Um, I, I definitely don't think you, you have to have one. But um, for me personally, it's all about kind of what it means to you personally. The benefits were... I think just, I I learned a lot and it's impossible to kind of remember everything, but you know that you've covered it. So it certainly gave me a lot of confidence and it definitely led to me doing what I'm doing now because I I learned a lot, not just from the kind of educational content, but but everyone that was in my class. And there was this amazing high energy um, set of people from all over the world in my class at LBS. And, you know, we learned a lot like in the classroom but we did so many crazy things as well like you know one weekend we'd be running a marathon and then the next mar- uh, weekend we'd be going to Serbia <laughs> we did lots of different stuff as a group which was, <laughs> nice. which was really fun and interesting but um I learned a lot about how other industries were being transformed through tech and there was a healthcare club there and I thought at that whilst I was studying that I might want to set up my own business and for about six months I sort of did I mean I was still working full-time and so it was really just the kind of evenings and and weekends kind of thing Um, and I took part in the London Business School Entrepreneurial Summer School and I learned a lot about about that whole world and it really opened my eyes I mean obviously it came from quite a different background coming from the NHS and you know I knew how to get things done there but looking at the world through a kind of founder's eyes was really quite an education for me and through that process I then networked with quite a few health tech companies some of the ones that have gone on to be really successful today Um, and then started to think actually maybe some of these companies could help me in my role as an NHS general manager and I tried to work with about three, um, but it was only one that ended up, we ended up adopting 
in, in my department um, and then eventually across the, ho- the whole of the trust. And that was a brilliant experience because I made a ton of mistakes and kind of learned the hard way, actually. You know, it was everything from people saying to me, but, you know, what are you doing? Like, why would you want to work with a startup? Yeah. How do you know they're going to survive? To understanding why the information governance firm were asking me so many questions to why would IT not just do an integration? Surely, you know, it only take a few days. But um, I realised that, well, I knew, obviously, from my role, like, how much of a pipeline, how much demand there was on that time, but actually how important it was to kind of get the data and really sell it to them. So you have to, uh, well, I learned you kind of have to take into account lots of different people um, to be able to to really get things done. So that was great because it helped me to realise that it's possible to work with the NHS, to work with a startup because I'd done it personally. Um, I'd worked out all the pitfalls were. And so then I was thinking, okay, what do I want to do next in my career? Do I want to work for a startup? Because I come across many and I was quite excited about that that world. Um, And then I saw that... um, Digital Health London was being created and they were looking for someone to, to lead it and to lead this the first part of it, which was the accelerator. And I thought, well, you know this, James, because I've told you this story so many times, but I just brilliant. Oh my God, this is the great role. Um, I get to support loads of startups and the NHS and, um, you know, be pretty autonomous, really, and work it all out from scratch and be a bit of, you know, scratch a bit of that kind of startup itch myself. Yep. Went to team, fabulous team, people like you, um, design, how we're going to, you know, find these companies, um, what, what we were going to do to support them. And I knew it was going to be really hard. And, you know, that many companies would think it was going to be a magic bullet. Yep. Um, so there's a lot of expectation setting. But I also knew it was worth it. Yep. You know, even if we made a small difference, um, it would really be worth it. So I should probably stop that. I love it. Yeah. It's, all, it's, it's awesome to, to hear your background actually sort of in full. Um, because I hadn't, I, I don't think I'd even appreciated, I suppose, where your love for healthcare started in that kind of international global health type world. Yeah. And, and, you know, we hear on this podcast all the time about motivation being absolutely key in healthcare because frankly, mm-hmm. With the, with the IQ of the people I have on this podcast, they could be making a lot of money in financial services, but we all choose healthcare for a really interesting reason, which I think is really nice. And clearly you've got that too. There's three or four bits of your background there that I definitely want to touch on here. And the first one is that at the start of your NHS management graduate scheme, the first thing they get you to do is, is to shadow everyone in healthcare. Now that I think is really interesting because I think a lot of what we do in that, you know, accelerator services, um, particularly accelerator world, is you're trying to democratize information quite a lot. And I think I often do that in comms. You, know, you try and sit in different vantage points to help people understand how people think about things. And I think it's almost like a prerequisite of people within the accelerator world to have sat in different vantage points so that they can understand um, how you might need to explain something to somebody or sell something to someone or support a startup in a certain way or help them raise money. It's important, but I don't think necessarily clinicians understand that managers have done that. And, And I think it's a really important point because I can remember being a clinician 
and people saying things about managers, them and us. And, you know, you and I would have sat on very different sides of the table in, in, a, in a trust or in a hospital, right? But I think I always wanted to gain that understanding. So I did a lot of shadowing on the managerial side. And so I get, I had empathy and I had understanding and I was able to, you know, build bridges and cross those bridges a fair few times to get things done. It seems that that's something that you picked out, even in your, in your description of what you did, that was clearly interesting and important. Um, I, I, do I have a question? Was it important? Tell me that I'm right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I completely agree with you. I think, so my brother is um, a consultant in the NHS and so we often kind of have a lot of banter yeah, okay. about the two sides and kind of back in the day, you know, pre-Digital to London, we, we, you know, we said, oh, well, we still do now. Um, yeah, and I think I was always really fortunate that I got that early exposure to different viewpoints. Yeah. And then I think I was really for- fortunate that through my time at LBS, I got exposure to a very different world. And, um, you know, that had pros and cons at the time. It probably meant I got a bit f- frustrated with things. Um, but ultimately, it meant that I went actually went on to to achieve some things that were quite different and you know now looking back um unusual perhaps at the time uh, so yeah i think it is really useful when you you get those um those different perspectives and you sort of bring um different things together yeah definitely the next thing i wanted to touch on was i suppose being a general manager i think there's a lot of people listening particularly in the startup world and indeed the clinical Mm. world that might not actually know what a general manager is or what they do. And clearly Mm. it's somebody that can help bring in new technology and clearly it's somebody that they might need to be marketing to. And clearly, you know, it's someone that Mm. that should be on their radar. And also interesting to me there, you mentioned that, you know, as a relatively recent graduate of the scheme, you you end up managing a really big budget. And I think actually Mm. for ambitious people that want to make a difference, it's also clearly a job that might attract them that they want to go and do that right and so what is a general manager in an nhs hospital or trust who employs them what do they do what are they responsible for tell us a bit about that yeah sure i mean i think the the first thing i would say is that if you can conceptualize what a general manager does in any business Mm. then you can apply that to the nhs there isn't you know a great deal um of difference it's about being responsible for a, a subsection of a business and it, that requires being responsible for, for all areas of it. So it's not just about the money, it's also about the, the quality, the patient experience, um, the safety, the governance. Um, it's about you know, improving your services. It's about all of the people stuff, which is extremely important. Um, but I guess maybe what is different in the NHS is this kind of the structure to it. So I was fortunate to always be part of a leadership team um, in either a service or a whole, a whole department that was made up of a general manager, a clinical director, which was usually a doctor, but not always, and a um, director of nursing or midwifery in, in my last role. And that was really powerful because you, again, it's, it doesn't rely on me having those perspectives. We work as a, as a group of three and bring our different skill sets. So we may naturally lead on one bit more than the other, but I couldn't um, you know, lead on all of the, the financial things without the support of the clinical director, the director of nursing, um, so, yeah, so I think that's probably the thing that's, that's really different, but it is important for your listeners to know 
that I mean as a you know as a um, as a general manager you can depend especially if you're working in a really big organization you can often have a budget that's the size of a small district general hospital <laughs> and, the, and yeah and the complexity of so women women's department um, you know uh, in my time some you know they're often you know sometimes comments oh you know that's quite nice <laughs> that's sort of that's quite small um, <laughs> and actually it's really, really complicated because you're managing um, elective care you're managing non-elective care, you're managing emergency, you're managing outpatients. Um, private, in the, in the case for women's, uh, where I was, 10% of the business was private. And that's actually very different to managing an NHS business and very useful because it meant that one of the big things I did in that, in that role was focus on income diversification because I thought we, everyone kind of knew that the maternity tariff didn't cover the cost. So it was really hard to make savings particularly because 50% of the whole budget um, was spent on on midwives. And it was really important to have um, a a safe ratio of uh, midwives to to women. Um, So we had to be quite, you know, innovative, to be honest. And and I think that that's probably, you know, people often from the outside looking in think, oh, you know, the NHS is really slow or isn't maybe Mm. innovative. But it has to be because um, you're under pressure constantly to... To do things differently and to and to make savings and often with quite limited resources. I think where I've worked, that perhaps there was more, um, but you you don't have kind of that that big team of kind of finance or HR or other kind of experts that you can sort of yeah. outsource things to. You've got that really um, detailed support that I I mean I certainly know from talking to say my husband that that the degree of support he gets with, from corporate functions. And it's not because people are being helpful, it's just Yeah, sure. No, I was just gonna say, I think a big thing I found, for example, at the time was the sort of business intelligence side. Um, and now through a lot of the kind of health tech innovations that are coming out, that's really becoming more and more available. So you're not making these quite big decisions about how many women should we book to deliver in our unit um, each week you know, on, you know, a back of an envelope, you're, you're, there's, there's actually a bit more sophistication to it, and there should be, because, um, you know, making big decisions. Um, and so I think that the, the data side of what's, you know, what's happening now is, is going to be so useful for, for general managers and, and others in leadership positions. Uh, in organisations in the NHS. So clearly a role for new technology um, in lots of different areas and places, which is definitely what I want to ask you about just before we move on to London, which is obviously you were, in your early work with health tech companies, you were clearly an innovator. There was clearly a lot of uphill work there in terms of changing hearts and minds, winning hearts and minds, building trust with lots of different people, including, I suppose, the companies that you were trying to build in. Um, I suppose my question is, what do general managers care about? What do they need of the startups? And it might look very different now, or it might look a bit easier now, but in terms of those startups and how they might want to position themselves or what they need to do to, to show those departments that they are trustworthy and can deliver, I mean, what, what do general managers care about? I think that probably goes back to the, you know, the, 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 this view that we, you know, we've experienced a lot, that people think that the NHS is like 
one way or to be harpooned. You know, these are general managers in multiple different organisations. Yes, of course, there are themes. You know, waiting lists will be a, definitely a current one. You know, pressure on money is always one. Um, yeah. So, you know, if you've got a kind of dead set, right, this is going to save you, and it's going to have to be a decent amount of money for you to focus on it, but it's going to save you 50K plus, then, you know, you're going to spend time on it and kind of put it in, in, your, in your business plan. I think it's, it's also about really listening, though, and you, you need to understand what problems people are dealing with because it's, it's like anything. If you understand what the problem is, then you've got their attention. Um, so there's always going to be commonalities, and maybe you could argue at the moment even more so, but but it, it's it, it's not uniform. And I think looking from the outside looking in, people, you know, if you don't know about the NHS, people might think that. Um, but you also have to understand the detail. Which segues nicely into the fact that those startups might want to consider a sector-specific accelerator that has personal relationships with a lot of those departments and organisations and geographies to to understand more so they know how to sell. And obviously, that is what you guys are doing with the Chelter London and the Accelerator. Five years in, fifth birthday recently, lots of change, lots of international partnerships now. It's grown a lot since I was there. So you obviously were part of the founding team. I was one of the first people through the door as a navigator at the time, and, and it looked a lot different. I mean, I said it in my talk the other day at the, at the Digital London event that it was it was a lot of interesting conversations at that point and a lot of winning hearts and minds and a lot of the first times people were even considering startups and new technology but things obviously look a lot different now and you know the the companies that went through in the early days you know the likes of humor once meadowpad and echo being acquired and all these cool companies have been through it and done all this stuff but I guess tell us tell us about digital.london tell us where you guys are at now what's coming up what you guys are hoping to achieve yeah, sure. So, um, well, as you've already said, Digital London was set up five years ago. The first programme was the Accelerator. There'd been a few health tech-specific programmes in London up until that point, but um, they hadn't worked. Um, the, so, but the idea was actually if it was more embedded within the NHS, um, then it would stand a better chance because it was a lot about kind of that knowledge and those relationships which is why when I came in to, to lead the setup of the accelerator, it was important, I felt, that people in the team kind of over-indexed on that NHS background because you could have someone from a VC or a startup background, but actually companies were coming to us because they wanted to learn yeah. about the NHS and they wanted to kind of understand how it worked um, and, to, and to get kind of you know, connected in um, back at the start. You know, like when you set anything up, you, you're learning a huge amount. It's one thing, isn't it? It's like one person as a general manager to try and you know get uh, adopt the technology. But when you're trying to support thirty companies, and that's what you remember. Yeah, I um, did very well. I only had t- then, I only had know, ten, that- Jenny. I only had ten. <laughs> <laughs> no, not mad. Um, I think, you know, my one of my big learnings from the first year, there wasn't actually much I could do about it, to be fair, because I did think, wow, 30, that's, that's a pretty big cohort. Mm. But like all these things, you are constrained by how you're funded. We're really lucky to get funding from so many different partners and from the European Regional Development Fund. But their focus was very much about the number of companies we were, yes. we were supporting as opposed to kind of the... Um, 
you know, the out, I guess the outcomes, yeah. right? Which is what, as a team, we wanted to do. So yeah, you know, James, you were you were looking after ten companies. I mean, getting your head around one company, you know, is challenging enough. Luckily, we've um, you know been able to kind of change things around now, and every navigator has five companies, nice. which is much more manageable. But um, it's still that's still hard, and particularly for you, you know. A navigator, so that that's the the person that's supporting, as you know, um, the company, but um, and it's kind of like their best friend for a year. The you really have to know what ev- almost like every organisation in the NHS in London is doing, and that's impossible. So it's about how we work together, um, and a lot of what I do at the beginning of the accelerator is to really make it clear I don't I think it sort of doesn't always land that we it's not a magic bullet Mm. like we make life less difficult um and I think depending on what company is it's it's been nice to see how we help different companies in different ways um it might be that we really support them with their evidence generation strategy it's it might be that we do really help them with their first pilot or getting another contract or really helping them to understand actually why they have a contract and yet no one's actually adopting them um so there's it's quite a bespoke approach i would say so yeah yeah i I think um, over the years we've learned a lot that's for sure yeah i think what you're alluding to there as well is it's sort of a an extension of a startup principle more broadly, which is focus. And I think when you've got something the size of the NHS to conquer, and as you say, it's not a whale, it's a shoal of fish. If you try and harpoon it, it will just move around you. You need to chase one fish down for as long as possible, and then it might lead to another one and then another one. And that is obviously, that leads to long sales cycles and the rest of it. However, that's why you exist as 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 an organization, because at the end of the day, if you can impart that information and help that chasing down mm. of the first fish, whether that's evidence and generating it, whether that's pilot and first contract or you know third or fourth or fifth, etc., it's still you guys imparting your knowledge that you've amassed at least mm. over the five years, as well as the careers of all of those people that you end up hiring in. Um, I can I, yeah. I can remember joining. Um, you know, with Hannah and Lawrence and Olivia. And I can remember being in our initial sort of brainstorming when we were all putting post-it notes on the wall and things like that. And I was just, I... I we want to be known for James. Well, literally. Li- yeah, literally. I, like, I remember it so, so well. What do we want to be known for? We want to be like fast response. We want to be this one. It's, it, but I, I can remember hearing the backgrounds of, of the other three navigators and yourself mm. and, just, and just being like, oh, I'm an imposter in this room. Like, what am I compared to these people? And, you know, having spoken to Hannah, she was feeling exactly the same. And, and everything like, and it, but it, but it is interesting. Like, you know, the, the backgrounds of the people that you amass is the total of the information. And therefore it allows that knowledge in that organization to build and build and build over time. And I think that is what you're getting at an accelerator that is sector specific for market access is that you've, you've built that over time. And, but at the same time, it's it's realism as well that you have to impart in that there is no silver bullet you're right but what you are going to do is stop them doing things that are going to waste their time more so and you're going to put them onto things that are going to be better uses of their time more so but what you're not going to be able to do is hand them 10 contracts on a plate because that's completely unrealistic um but that is that that is the nature it's the sort of teach a man to fish approach i suppose because if you know even if you did that what are they going to do afterwards like 
yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And sometimes it's been the most random things that, like, I've supported companies with, like, why have you not applied for this pilot? Yeah. Um, oh, I missed that email. Oh, my God. Well, just, you know, do the bid tonight. Literally. <laughs> or, um, you know, um, just think you need you know, a bit of feedback on how that meeting went. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, try and be that critical friend as well. Um, and, and I think what's been interesting is that the focus, you know, of a lot of accelerators, as we were talking about earlier, ha- has been on, on maybe on the kind of investment side. Yes. And this accelerator... Is, is helping companies to, you know, to, to be NHS ready. Yes. And by doing that helps them, which I probably didn't really appreciate when we set things up, that actually um, when we've, you know, spoken to companies, they've said we've really helped them to raise money, whether that's because, you know, providing this pre-qualified pipeline of amazing companies. I mean, the fact that, 94% of the companies that have gone through the Digital Outdoor London Accelerator are still standing and thriving, I think it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, yes, of course, they, they went through a selection process, but if nine out of 10 startups fail, then, then, then that's, that, you know, that's pretty good. And, and I think it's a great signal um, to, and, and that's part, and, you know, the process of selecting the companies is a big part of what we do because it's also about educating and socialising, so it's about educating people within the NHS, and that's particularly in the early days. We just involved even more people than we needed to because it then it just opened people's eyes yes. to like how brilliant and exciting this is, and that it made it less scary, and that these aren't people who are just trying to kind of privatise the NHS. They are patients, they are clinicians, they are passionate about improving healthcare. That's who they are, um, and so I think that you know that all the, that kind of cultural change. Um, does add up um and it still it still helps today and then you know it helps the whole of the ecosystem to see okay well who are these great companies you know and then it's our job afterwards to support them you know as best we can and to go back to those people who are on the interview panel and say you know look um what are you going to do to to help this company and certainly if you've just finished cohort six recruitment so just spent the last three weeks um (laughs) locked in maybe a virtual room actually yeah. interviewing and the kind of litmus test I say to the panel is you know I identify effectively who the buyers are on the panel mm. and I'll say to them, you know if you don't if you don't want to adopt this innovation or if you're kind of a more like an influencer if you are not willing to kind of like actively help this company then that's a litmus test they shouldn't be on our accelerator um because you know, if the people in the room selecting the companies aren't willing to like really actively drive it forward, then what it's a really good point. Company? You know, some the the founder of a VC company um, or VC fund said to me once that a good VC, which I can expand to a good investor, and I do count accelerators as investors, even though you're not taking equity and it's a free program for startups, you're still investing your time for an outcome. But any program that adopts startups and invests in them in some way, shape or form, you've got to do three things really well. You've got to scout them, you've got to select them and you've got to support them. And I think the scouting is done by the brand of London and the fact you get so many people apply um, as well as outreach and the rest of it. But I think the key bit is in that selection process. And I think when you can get buyers in the room, I mean, wouldn't that be wonderful for all the VCs to literally be sat there with the buyers of the individual companies, like literally sat in the room. That's actually what you do. And it's it's absolutely yeah, no, yeah. it's no coincidence. Well, it's no surprise to me, sorry, that 
it, the, so many companies then go on to get investment, 94% of them, an incredible number, are still around five years later for any startup um, cohort. That's incredible. But I think a lot of it is in that selection process because I can remember even when I was doing it with you guys, you know, commercial reviewer and this review and that, like it, it may, it, as you say, it adds up and it, it makes sense to have the buyers in the room. And the fact that you can for an organization like the NHS is clearly going to give value. And so it becomes a stamp of approval to have been through that accelerator. It becomes very relevant to investors that, oh, not only were they selected for that, but then they also had the support, which you're very good at you know it makes it makes a lot of sense um so how i mean how, five years later how do you improve on that you know having have you know done it in this country in the nhs and you guys are doing stuff with uh cedar sinai i think i saw yeah yeah that's right i mean to be honest and you probably remember this james remember i was a bit of like a, a maniac when it came to feedback <laughs> yeah um <laughs> kind of like overreacted <laughs> to any negative bit of feedback but i think that's because and i think it was maybe it was ingrained to me at lbs actually mm. like the kind of customer focus so i still you know still to this day like i do not want to think that we kind of smell of roses like i know there's a ton of things that um, we can do better and it, you know it's always the case that there's like one company that feels like unhappy and of course um it's try being in client services um, jenny honestly it's just, <laughs> <laughs> if, I, if we acted on our worst feedback all the time that we, you'd be paralyzed honestly yeah but you were saying to me earlier like what makes a great accelerator and like we have because we have so many different funders we have a lot of different metrics but as i, I kind of bore the team and, and others and probably bored you were saying like the one that I care the most about is the our well we call it net promoter yep. score but like whether the, basically what rating companies would give us out mm. of 10 because if they're not willing to give us a 9 out or a 10 out of 10 like we're doing something wrong and um what matters is the value that we we give to them we're supporting them because we're we want to help the NHS we want to improve um patient care staff experience and you know save taxpayer money but we're helping you know it's a program for companies so we're helping them and i want them to feel that they can you know say honestly what we can do to make things better so there, there's loads of stuff and i think what um what has worked you were saying earlier about focus what's worked really well is our partnership with chelsea and westminster yeah. we took a, a team from nhs england there recently and i think having um having that kind of structure to innovation adoption is useful the fact that that you know the c-suite are involved in our selection of our companies and um, there's dedicated navigator support within child west makes a big difference they're like saying right these are the five companies we want to adopt and so therefore they've adopted almost 20 percent of the companies that have gone through the accelerator so that's and now like i actually presented to the london cio um council thursday last week and luke redman who leads on um and tech for London was saying to me, like, what's the one thing you want to do next year um, when it comes to Digital to London? And I said, well, to, to kind of build on this model we've had with Chow West and can we do that with other organisations? Because I think it would, that structure and increased focus would really help. Um, and so if we can do that with a few other really innovative trusts, I think that would, that, that would be great. And a good lesson um, for yeah, any company to double down on what's working, right? At the end of the day, yeah. like, yeah, why waste yeah, your exactly. time trying to be everything to everyone, you know? And I think yeah. you're always exactly. going to get, as I say, like, you're always going to get feedback. And, and also, 
I think no program can be right for everyone either. Like what we do isn't no, right no, for yeah, everyone, yeah. you know, especially in the early days, you know, we, we onboarded clients that left relatively quickly just because it wasn't a good fit and that's okay. Like at the end of yeah. the day, you, you have a sweet spot that's right. And <laughs> you can't, as I say, you'd be paralyzed trying to be everything to everyone. So doubling down on what, yeah. what's working is ideal. Yeah. And clearly, yeah, so. yeah, clearly if Chelsea Mesper are adopting 20% of everything that goes through, um, must be a nice hospital to be in. It's the first thing that I think about. Yeah, and I guess, well, that's what, you know, some people then are like, oh, but it's Chelsea West unique, blah, blah, blah. But it, I, I don't think that mm. needs to be, you know, the case. Um, but go, just going on to the, the international point, Cedars-Sinai, um, we announced our new partnership with them uh, last week. And I think that's going to be exciting because we know that um, particularly the companies are kind of in cohort one and two, some of them already are in the States that are kind of really thinking about it. And as, you know, healthcare is going to be increasingly global, right? So whatever we can do to support um, companies in the UK go that way uh, to the States and vice versa, um, we're going to, you know, take the, 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 um, the learning from startups and we're starting really small. Um, we're thinking, you know, what kind of activities can we do that um, are going to be the most, you know, most useful. It's not like we've got this whole new team that are going to do this. But um, there are some really, uh, there's a lot, I think there's quite a few quick wins, um, particularly on that kind of peer-to-peer learning and support. And even just for us as like our accelerator team, their accelerator team, like they do, they do some really cool stuff. Like how do we adopt that, that maybe there's some things that we do that they also um, want to put in place. So... Yeah, I think it's exciting, and we've been talking to some other, um, some of the best accelerators. So there should be some more stuff, more announcements coming out that way. Um, But yeah, that was um, it. Was nice also to see that that really came out as a theme in our from our recent birthday campaign, where we just thought it would be fun to ask, um, you know, really engage with the ecosystem and ask people what they've learned over the last five years and their thoughts for the next five years rather than us just sort of like singing happy birthday to ourselves <laughs> and like how great we are like let, let's try and um learn ourselves and actually some stuff came out of that that I didn't think would so that was quite good for me um but the yeah the bit about the international kind of thinking more about you know healthcare being global and and how we um how we kind of fit into that space was was useful um given that we were sort of thinking along those lines nice anyway i think to have a brand so, yeah, that I mean, understands the nhs and to have a a program that can help with that understanding as well as dropping a few barriers to entry in terms of market access like that is a unique selling point as they say i think any program that can help with that is is going to do well internationally because the nhs is just such a coveted organization for so many people that want to be helping in it part of it working with it all those different things and so i say it it's not one organization as we've we talked mm. about it's many with the same logo but mm. you know getting into one or a few of them is just so wanted and needed globally that um mm. i think setting up with that brand internationally is uh, a very good move a very clever move i like yeah. it it must must That's be nice good. to do all that learning as well from those other yeah, people yeah, yeah and i i guess i'd also say i think like the from the other direction so i was um on a uh, event um, last week with organised by the Israeli embassy, and I heard from someone who set up the women's health, um, the Sheba Women's Health Innovation Centre in Israel, and I just thought, wow, we need that. You know, I'm so passionate nice. about all things 
femtech or digital health, um, sorry, women's health plus uh, yeah, digital yeah. health, um, and actually kind of zoning in on clinical pathways um, and looking at all the different opportunities and whatever lens you do, my particular interest being women's health, but I think is also another area of focus that, that I see happening over the next few years. And to wrap up then, with that interest in femtech and women's health, what have you got planned or what are you thinking about career-wise? What are you involved in? Where do you want that to go in terms of that interest? That's a, yeah, it's a good question. Um, in terms of the, 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 the femtech bit, I, I can't say I have a clear plan. I would say that it's just, it's one of these things where it's kind of like a hobby. Like I'm just so interested and excited by it. But I mean, it has been particularly relevant this year in the accelerator because we have had a femtech company. Um, so that that's worked. You've got a well. disproportionate um, amount of support from me. And also very excitingly, I don't know whether it well, just an, infor- an informal meeting. I'm going to number 10 next Very week. nice. Quite exciting. Um, yeah, for, my, for like my mum. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, yeah. Um, so, I mean, I, I feel like there's just so much opportunity at having worked in women's health um, to make improvements mm. both here in the UK and globally. It's a really underserved area of healthcare. I mean, many areas are, but this is an area I happen to know well. And I think also recently becoming, you know, a mum mm. for the first time and now two little kids. I sort of, it's been interesting being a patient, a user or a manager, yeah. one who's like, helping femtech companies so i yeah i just think there's there's huge opportunity in that space but i also think there's um you know a lot of opportunity to support on the vc side as well and i think that accelerators make a big difference for companies but on the for femtech companies they're you know they they don't have enough investment and i would certainly really like to kind of support more companies to to raise money in that space and a lot of that is about awareness um and and helping vcs feel comfortable and and you know there are more and more um female vcs or male vcs that kind of are getting comfortable with femtech which is brilliant but there is um a lot more to be done there for sure awesome i was going to ask you what you wanted to see happen but clearly it's uh more investment (laughs) in those femtech companies which i agree with i think you're right i think a lot of it is awareness and advocacy um to make that the the attractive area of health tech that it should be really for investment given that it's just such a huge market size um but anyway we could get into that on a whole nother podcast i think but jenny it's been a pleasure having you on thank you so much it's been lovely to hear about your background in full actually um firstly but also of the work of digitalhealth.london and what what's going on in femtech um for people that want to get in touch with you whether that's about femtech whether it's about digitalhealth.london um or indeed a general manager that's ambitious that wants to learn from you. Um, what's the best way for people to get in touch with you? Um, I say on LinkedIn. Yeah, fine. Yeah. Cool. So we will put the link to your LinkedIn in the description of this episode. Um, but Jenny, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Hey everyone. Thanks for listening and making it all the way to the end of this episode. Remember to subscribe, rate us and leave a review and you can head to the description of this episode to follow me on all of my social media so you don't miss out on any of the latest health tech content.